Lions open with a win, one more victory and two more tests. A strong Welsh influence to say the least. Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. We'll hear from within the Lions coaching team, former Ospreys coach Steve Tandy and former Wales coach Warren Gatland. But we'll start with Wales and Lions captain Alan Wynne-Jones, who began by talking about his expectations for the climactic second test. I said in the immediate post-match press that I did on the field that you know we are expecting the game and the intensity to go up a notch across the board. But I think um, from our point of view, um, we look at that first half and see how we put ourselves under pressure and where we can improve our game. Probably not just in that first half, but the, the whole 80 as well. So we do feel we've got a couple of gears to go up. Um, and that's been a large part of our focus this week. What have you made of Razi Erasmus taking to social media? He's questioned the officiating in the first test. He's posted an hour-long video now. To be honest, I'm not long back from training. I've heard a little bit about it, but I haven't seen anything. As I'm sure you're aware, I've got a, a bit more to focus on that will be between the white lines. Um, and that, that's been my focus. And when do you think we'll see much of a difference from the first test to the second test from either team in terms of approach? <laughs> Without uh, giving too much away, I said, again, in the post-match, I said we would probably continue in a... In a similar vein, we probably didn't execute um, as well as we'd like in that first half. You can look at South Africa, they've gone with a 6-2 split. It's probably more to what we're used to in the way they select their squad. But I'm sure there'll be you know, an increased emphasis on probably set piece from them and trying to get more set pieces. And like I say, on our, our part is probably execution and game management early on in the game. You mentioned that 6-2 split. What does that mean in real terms for you guys in terms of how you approach it? What does that give them different that they didn't have last week? That conscious um, point that they're going to go probably more set piece. They'll have um, more forwards in simple terms to come on and try and um, put authority in that area of the game. But like I say, it's what we've seen. Um, or, you know, The teams that have faced that have seen through the World Cup and, and before. The last Lions team to go 2-0 up in a series were the 1997 side in South Africa. I mean, it goes to show it's a real difficult thing to do, isn't it? No, very much so. It was 24 years ago, you know, and it's very dangerous in, in anything to look too far back. My focus and our focus is obviously Saturday. How important is the feedback that you get from the officials from game to game regarding tweaks that need to be made for the next match? Uh, whatever competition you go into, domestic, international, whatever campaign, Six Nations, Autumn campaigns, World Cups, there's always there's tweaks to the rules and you're always given heads up on focus points. Ultimately, from a playing point of view, you need to, you need to get on with your job. It's very easy to get stifled by those directives. And you're given key points that they look at and you try and stay within the realms of the perceptions that those you know, you're given by those officials. And if we talk sort of more generally, looking back over the course of your your long international career, do you think there is more chat and scrutiny and debate around officials today than there ever has been? And if so, why do you think that's the case? No, I don't think so. I just think the game's changing. I think, you know, it's, it does get um, difficult for players the way the speed of the game is going, you know, the ball in play. And I think sometimes the refs are the hardest job in the game, being in the middle of all that. You know, they obviously uh, have assistants and... Uh, you have a TMO, and I think more than ever, decisions are being, being focused on. But it's always been the way. I think they've always been scrutinised. I just think it's probably in vogue at the minute. And obviously, it's been highlighted by some um, this past week. 
certainly has, but that's something British and Irish Lions coach Warren Gatland hasn't got involved with either. He explained why he didn't stick with the selection of the 15 players who won the first test. Just about picking what we thought was the best team for this match. Again, some tight, tough calls and lots of different choices that we could have gone with. We could have easily gone with the, the same 23 who won the first test match, but we've made a couple of changes because, you know, just felt that picking a team for the second test match and what we're expecting to come from South Africa. The discussion was that if we're going to make any changes, you kind of don't make one, you might make two or three changes. And we did discuss, you know, do we reward that 23 for winning the first test? And then we we looked at a couple of individuals. We looked at uh, ball and play time. We thought a bench was outstanding in terms of that impact. And that was definitely a consideration with um, making a couple of changes, but also being aware of uh, it's not just the 15, it's the 23. Obviously, we can look at Chris Harris in the midfield and experience at the international level, but a first test for the Lions and such a, a big occasion as well. What difference do you feel that he can make at centre? We're expecting him to be incredibly direct. Now, we weren't disappointed with Elliot's game. I mean, you know, they were very direct in the way that they, they attacked in terms of Delaire and they... So, you know, we're expecting more of the same and, and, a, and a ferocious kicking battle as well. And for Conor Murray in its at scrum half, is that a case of just needing that extra bit of an experienced head that he brings? No, just um, you know, again, he was he was good when he came on. It's going to be tight in that first twenty or thirty minutes. And the way that South Africa tend to play, if you look at the two games, you know, the A game and this game, is that they try and build a scoreboard, they try and get in front, and and then look to hold on. So you know, that first twenty or thirty minutes is pretty important for us, and then. And we've been happy with the way that we've finished, particularly in the second half in both those games and felt strong and you know, potentially the game might open up in the tempo of the game, which is something that we think Ali can bring you know, maybe in that second half and same with the other players that are on the bench. With Dan Bigger being named in the starting lineup again, is it looking good for him? I mean, how confident are you of him passing the, re- the return to play protocols? Yeah, he's looking good at the moment. He's, he's going through that process and uh, we've got a an independent consultant who's looking at that as well. So um, he's passed everything at the moment and and hopefully he's ready to go on Thursday. Well, when you say that you expect your side to improve, what is the biggest improvement you're looking for in the second test? Just starting a little bit better. So in the first test, we gave away a number of penalties in, in that first half. The second In the second half, we were much more disciplined. We were pleased with basically a control of the game. We only gave them four lineouts in the game. So, you know, obviously that discipline in the first half and was important. And we probably at times put ourselves under a bit of pressure by shifting the ball on occasions, being caught behind the game line and, and allowing them to get some breakdown turnovers. So we just got to be really smart in terms of that management. And we were, like I said, I thought we were outstanding in that second half. And now you go into the game on the brink of a first series victory over South Africa since 1997. How does that alter the mindset from that first test now? Well, they're going to be desperate, aren't they? They want to desperately stay in the series and we've got a chance of winning the series on Saturday and um, spoken to the players about that, that, you know, we've just got to make sure that we're mentally right because you don't want to be using your get-out-of-jail card, which is going to the third test. You want to make the most of the opportunity that we've created in winning the first test and and uh, hopefully trying to seal a series uh, victory on Saturday. Three changes was... The agreement on those quite easy. Were you tempted to make any more or less as you discussed it with your, your assistants? We had a good discussion around around the front row and the halfback centre and the back three. So it's one of those situations where 
you're making uh, two or three changes where you feel uh, those players will bring something to it. And then with other players in the squad, you want them to build on that first test performance because you think you know, the cohesion with the combinations and and then playing that first game, that they'll get better as well. So it's just trying to get that balance between what we had achieved, not making too many changes, but you know, just picking what we think is the best team that can do a job on Sunday. With Chris Harris in and uh, and Conor Murray as well, those changes, Ali Price switching roles there. Is that a little shift in the game plan? Is it now really about meeting that physicality first and, and perhaps speeding the game up later? Yeah, that's kind of what we've been trying to do, really. So there's not a lot of space, and particularly in that first 20 or 30 minutes. And, you know, we saw how aggressive they were, particularly I think the first opportunity we had to attack when Elliot Daly's been hit in the contact. So, you know, they're going to be incredibly aggressive. They're going to run hard and... So it's about staying in that arm wrestle. That's the the message because there isn't a lot of space and a lot of opportunities in that first 20 or 30 minutes. And particularly, they play very little rugby in their own half. So it's a, it's a territory battle as well. So we've got to make sure that kind of the messages of, you know, if we're six all at 30 minutes or nine, six ahead or something like that, going into halftime, then it puts us in a pretty good place. But, you know, we're 12-3 down, could have been 17-3 down like we were in the A game. And then that, that's a, a much bigger challenge to come back from. So... Now our focus is on us starting well and, and making sure that our game management's really good. And in the forward pack, the uh, the Springboks conceded 11 penalties to the Lions 5. How fruitful do you think that area could be for you again? If that was me, I'd be one area that I'd be really trying to tidy up. And we felt that as soon as we went through some multiple phases, you know, they tended to concede a penalty. And so that's something we'll look at trying to play through phases, you know, particularly in their half and I think there was six on the bounce that they conceded. Our discipline was much better in, in that first half, but there's no doubt there's, you know, when you play a test match, you look at those sort of things in terms of where you need to improve. And I, I have no doubt that they will be targeting that area in terms of, you know, improving their discipline, particularly in that second half, as, as we did at halftime about the penalties we, we gave away in the first half. You've not lost a series on your two previous tours as head coach. Saturday has a chance to complete the set. Would it, be your proudest achievement in rugby if you can pull it off? Um, oh, it'd definitely be be one of those things that be pretty memorable, you know, in terms of being involved in, as head coach in those three tours of all the three Southern Hemisphere nations. Uh, it's incredibly tough to win a Lions series. I know we drew the, the last one, but to win a Lions series is tough because of the challenges you're playing away from home. I think on three of those occasions, and the first time that it came to South Africa in 2009, I mean, last time was against the world champions, 2009 was against the world champions, and this time it's against the world champions. So, you know, you tend to be playing one of the top two or three teams in the world, and that's that's a massive challenge. So um, the whole thing is about how brilliant the Lions is and, and trying to grow grow the brand as much as we can. And I think everyone wants Lions teams to be competitive and, and series to be tight. And, and that's why we get so excited about them. Was there a particular thinking behind bringing Toto Pifalato onto the bench instead of an open side like Hamish Watson? thought about that sort of number eight cover and as the game loosens up a bit in terms of him a little bit in the wider channels and his footwork. He's had some good moments on, on tour, some big moments in terms of carrying and stuff. And, and we know how dangerous he can be in that with that regard so uh we just felt that just having cover for jack and with tiger as well as the game opens up they might be able to have a significant impact how much um confidence you've got as a squad by the fact you could go and match the box in some of the areas of their traditional strength on saturday especially in the second half at the scrum and, and mainly at the mall 
Yeah, that's something that was we'd focus on right from the start about you know, that's where they're going to try and get dominance and we need to be we've worked incredibly hard in those areas to make sure that we've got at least parity and we've had dominance in, in certain areas and we've got stronger in those areas. So you take that away from them and like I said, we only gave them four lineouts last week. So you know they haven't didn't have a set piece to really launch from, which they like to do. So yeah, from that point of view, been really pleased in those areas and um, yeah, that's one one area where they've tended to to go to to gain ascendancy, but also to to get penalties. And um, we we talk about the halfway battle and, and controlling halfway. And you know we think we've been pretty good in that area. We need to tighten up a little bit in, in some of those aspects, but um, definitely pleased with how our set pieces performed and and we feel like we've continued to get better in that area. We must have been delighted with the impact of your bench last weekend. Could you just talk a bit about kind of how that role has evolved over the years? I mean, so much talk nowadays of 6-2 splits and things like that. 7-1, obviously, at one point in the tour. But how has the role of the bench in general evolved over the years? Yeah, I think it's kind of something. It's definitely a discussion now when you are picking a team, you're looking at the, at the bench. And sometimes you've got two players. One of the players might be the best player, but he's also the, the biggest impact coming off the bench. And the other player is someone who can do a job for you to start, but might not have the same impact. And so you go with those decisions sometimes. And, you know, we had a run of a couple of years ago with Wales when we had our victories. And really that was as much about the impact that our bench had. And to give you an example, when Gareth Anscombe was playing, we were starting him at 10 and Dan Bigger was coming off the bench and doing a great job in terms of closing games down for us and and defensive being strong and, and putting us in the right areas. So, um so, yeah, definitely it's a massive part of the game now in terms of that impact that that bench can have and bringing energy or momentum or, or being able to change the game. And it's not about you definitely want guys who are, who are going to be have a positive influence when they come off the bench. Obviously, Liam Williams dropped out of the uh, the match day 23 from last weekend. How difficult a decision was that given how important the aerial battle is in this test series? It was a tough one. Both him and Hamish, it was you know a tough decision and... We did discuss whether we we started Liam on the wing, and that was that was a debate. And we kind of felt it was considered more of a as a fullback decision. And Stuart Hogg was good last week. Yeah, there was a, a significant aerial battle, and we looked at the, the things, and we we came out slightly on top of that in terms of the the crumbs that we got. And and yeah, but we're expecting a lot more. And yeah, so it was a long discussion about that. But when we just talked about it as well as probably the cover that Elliot gives us in terms of being able to cover 13 and and the back three so yeah it was you know, that was a really tough call for Liam to miss out on, on this board. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. True to say that if the Lions are to win the series, then the defence has to be strong, as it was in the first test. Scotland and Lions defence coach Steve Tandy is a former Ospreys player and coach, of course. He was asked about the amount of time that should be looking at key decisions. We want the games going on forever. I think it's the major calls, like you just want to get right and spend probably the, the appropriate time on. But yeah, the little bits and again, it's hard for the, the officials. There is so much going on and again... I know like people are saying there's been Razzies coming out and saying bits and pieces around the performances on the weekend, some bits miss a detail, but every team's got those moments. Every team could go through micro details and analyze it. We do it ourselves, but I think it's then 
going through the appropriate channels, raising the ones that are relevant and not making it about every small detail. It's just making sure those big key moments are the ones that are correct. Half the battle during the game is picking up on the nuances of how the referee is calling it. How pleased were you with the way that the players reacted as they picked up that understanding and the penalty count actually ended up almost two to one in your favour? I think at half time, I think the boys were really calm and understood it. We probably, um, we gave a couple of cheap penalties away in the first half that we didn't need to and just talking about how we can be impose ourselves by being smart and around that. And I think that, like, like we said, the officials done a really good job and then the balance of power changed in around the penalty come for us by looking after what we can look after. So that, that was really pleasing for the boys, how they adapted and the end of the day, the physical, intense test matches, the things that, like, there are absolutely fine margins in lots of things, but I think we definitely got that right in the second half. In fairness to the group, like, we, we talk all the time how connected they are and how good they are for each other. You look at Tuesday's session, what the non-starters brought to training was was outstanding. They really stressed us on both ends of the ball, which is really pleasing. You see, and I know it's probably go, going off point. You listen to the the noise the non-starters are making for the boys in an empty stadium was terrific. It shows, I think, the bond and that connection within the team. And I think the way they're performing in training, the way the boys have performed in the previous games, it does make those selections. I don't think it's it's an easy one. Alan Wynn, Steve, you've known him a very long time. Just You've known him since playing with him. But what does that mean for him to get through that full test match after what he's been through over the last month? It's um, a phenomenal effort. Personally, it doesn't surprise me. Drake, if it was anyone to do that, it'd be someone like him. You look at, like, I know, I'm probably bore you in around what he does off the field, on the field, recovery processes. I think anyone else after the Japan game would have given up. He didn't. Like, he's straight on focus on how we can get back. And then, obviously, you have the speak to other people and then he builds himself up. We were watching the training he was doing. Um, when he was back home, it was just a superhuman effort. And to back up 80 minutes in a physical test match like it was in the weekend is is a pretty special performance. The team haven't conceded a pick-and-go try or uh, a mall try on the tour so far. Can you explain how much of a point of pride that is for you and, and the players? Like the boys, is massive pride in it. And I think there's that mindset and... I think not allowing Slavka in on the weekend. Lots of times, like obviously the last set, they got into a 22, which the boys done really well. But it's been good. Like we've been tested around there. Um, so it's been really good to see how we've, the attitude and appetite we've brought around those areas. And I'm sure we're going to have to dig deep at some point over the next two games in around that goal line defence, mall defence, the same thing. Because you know how big and physical and the mall pride that Slavka have in that. So we know we're going to have to continue with that sort of mantra and, and mindset in around that goal line, because we know there'll be moments where we're going to have to dig deep. You see on the weekend where they did bust us a little bit on one of the malls, the, the speed the Maro gets back to turn it over. So you see the appetite and the desire from the boys to defend our line. Certainly could. Hopefully more of the same this Saturday. The series is certainly nicely poised. So more of that next week on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But until then, goodbye.